Hello, my Rebels. Today I'm in Calgary, first time I've traveled in a long time. I'm going to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court case on abortion and what I think it means and doesn't mean and why so many foreign leaders are weighing in, including Trudeau. And then I'll talk to our Calgary team, some of whom I actually haven't met till today. That's ahead, but first let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's a video version of our podcast. And um, it's only eight bucks a month. You get my weeknight show, so that's five times a week. Plus we have four weekly shows, 36 shows a month, and it's just eight bucks a month. That's half the price of Netflix, and it's a video version. And uh, more importantly than that, from our point of view, it's how we survive, because we don't take any money from Trudeau. So your eight bucks a month may not sound like a lot to you, but it really adds up for us. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. You'll get the video version of this podcast and you'll help keep us strong and independent. Thanks. Tonight, Justin Trudeau proposes abortion tourism for American women who want control of their bodies. Uh, they just have to get vaxxed first. It's June 27th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Hello and welcome. Ezra Levant here. As you can see, I'm... Back in Calgary, I'm in front of McDougall Center, which is a former school. It's actually the Premier of Alberta's office in Calgary. This is the first time I have flown on a plane in a very long time. I've been on Trudeau's no-fly list. Uh, it's a little bit uh, like a prisoner being let out of prison. He's not quite sure what to do, but it's nice to be out west. In the weeks and months ahead, I expect you'll see Rebel News personalities traveling more across the country to gather news. And also, I think we're going to get back in the events business where we're going to have get-togethers uh, like we used to do. We used to have day-long conferences called Rebel Live, for example. We used to have Producers Club get-togethers. Uh, we'll do what we can. There still are some rules. Of course, Justin Trudeau still bans unvaccinated people from getting on cruise ships. So, for example, we can't do our Rebel News cruise. And going into the United States, Joe Biden requires that we're vaxxed too, so that's not a go. Finally, returning to Canada, bizarrely, Canadian citizens must be quarantined for two weeks if they're not vaccinated. I'm going to come back to that later because that touches on our story for the day. So that's just why I am where I am. And instead of loading my script that I write into the teleprompter, I'm going to read it off my cell phone. But I just wanted to explain what I'm doing here out west. I'll be here for one more day and then I'll be back in uh, the big smoke on Wednesday. Um, I want to talk about the Supreme Court of the United States ruling on abortion. Now, it obviously doesn't affect Canadians or, frankly, any other country in the world other than the United States, but, oh, my God, the whole world weighed in. The first thing I'd like to note is that it cured woke leftists of their inability to define what a woman is. There was this whole thing, what's a woman? In fact, one of the newest Supreme Court justices nominated by Joe Biden simply refused to define what a woman was, saying she wasn't a biologist, so she didn't know. Take a look at this. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? 
not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of- yeah, they suddenly remembered what a woman was in a hurry. Um, I want to remind you what this court ruling is and what it is. And I'm not going to go through it in detail. We did that uh, a few weeks ago when a draft version of the ruling was leaked. And this does not ban abortion anywhere, nor does it legalize abortion anywhere. It simply says that it is up to individual states of the United States to pass this law. It's not jurisdictionally proper for the federal government in the United States to pass a law for all 50 states. Now, we know that because our Canadian Constitution also saves to the provinces certain questions. I mean, the military, foreign affairs, things like that, that's federal turf. But schools and hospitals and local matters, that's provincial turf. Well, in the United States, it's the same way. In fact, the balance is tipped even further towards the states. And that was the basis upon which this ruling was made. Anyone who tells you that this law bans abortion in America is wrong. This simply allows the 50 United States to come up with their own rules. And you can imagine they might be different in ultra-liberal San Francisco and other parts of California than they might be in Texas or Mississippi. Um, Is it a good idea to let states make decisions to have 50 different ways? I think it is. It allows people to move if they don't like a law as opposed to having some distant and partisan president or prime minister set the law for the whole country. I think government that's closest to the people, the lowest form of government, is the best because it's the more in touch. What's funny is, although this is a great debate in the United States and has been a great debate for decades, the number of foreign politicians who felt it was in their interest to weigh in. Here's the leader of France, Emmanuel Macron, weighing in. Here's the leader of Spain, of Norway, of Belgium. Now, the funny thing about these four countries I've just named, and it applies to most of them, is that each of these countries has a stricter law than the one that this court case upheld. Here's what I mean. Mississippi tried to say you cannot get an abortion after 15 weeks. So you got five months to make a decision about an abortion. But after that, the baby is too far developed and it shouldn't be aborted. You got 15 weeks to make that decision. So that was the law that was tested. And the Supreme Court said that law can stand because the federal government doesn't have the authority to say no. So keep that in mind. In Mississippi, one of the most conservative southern states there is, obviously, it is still legal to have an abortion up to 15 weeks. Now, do you remember those four countries I listed to you? In France, it's illegal to have an abortion after 14 weeks. Same in Spain. In Norway and Belgium, it's illegal to have an abortion after 12 weeks. So those four countries and many more that chimed in, condemning the United States for allowing one of its 50 states to limit abortions at 15 weeks, all four of those European leaders have stricter abortion laws. It's important to remember that abortion on demand for any reason or no reason paid for by the government until literally the moment of birth, that is not the usual. That's not the usual even in progressive countries. Um, You can see how important this is 
to the Liberal Party of Canada because they put everything else aside to obsess over it. Like I say, the abortion law in Canada has not changed. Uh, to be clear, we have no abortion law in Canada. You can get an abortion for any reason or no reason up until the moment of birth. And those reasons that you can use, and you don't have to declare them to anyone, include sex select abortions if you just don't want a baby girl. And I point out that there was a group, I don't know if it's active anymore, called Gays for Life, that were worried that if there was ever a genetic test that could determine whether or not someone was inherently gay, I don't know if a gay gene exists, they were worried that people would abort babies for being gay. And, and the thing is, in Canada, you can abort someone for any of those reasons. I'm not sure if that's a reasonable position, but I can see that Gerald Butts, the disgraced former principal secretary to Justin Trudeau, he has gone absolutely wild on this issue. And sure enough, about a day later, Justin Trudeau weighed in in the same lines. Um, he's back as Trudeau's messaging quarterback. We saw that during the trucker convoy, too. It's absolutely clear that Gerald Butts is back in power. Um, you see this with certain issues, with gun laws or gun crimes in the states, abortion. Gerald Butts knows that he can easily change the subject in Canada away from high gas prices, high inflation, crime, um, high grocery prices, high housing prices. He can easily change the subject by bashing America for a gun incident or an abortion incident because the media go along with that and they would rather talk about foreign problems than Canadian problems. Um, he talks about a right to an abortion, except in Canada you don't actually have a right to any medical procedures. Our Supreme Court has made that decision. You um, have the right to have a, a medical procedure uh, of certain kinds paid for by the government, whether it's essential or not, it's up to each provincial government, but there actually is no uh, right to any medical procedure. But they need that narrative because they need to scare people. Um, General Butts is insistent that Pierre Polyev come out as a pro-choice totalist like the Liberal Party does, and he's obsessed with it, and again, you can see why. Um, Pierre Polyev has said that he does not plan to introduce any new rules on abortion, which is essentially the same position that Stephen Harper took. And I, although I think that Pierre Polyev is probably more pro-life than that, I think it's probably the right move politically. The United States took 50 years of hard civil society public debate work to win the culture war to move the pendulum back. And that simply hasn't happened in Canada. The battlefield of ideas has not been shaped enough to permit any legislation, even if Pierre Polyev wanted to. So I think Polyev's approach is probably the right one politically. I think the reason why the United States finally decided to overrule Roe v. Wade, first of all, it was legally suspect from the beginning. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and other liberal Democrats themselves said so. They said, look, you can be for abortion, but that law is just the wrong one to do it. Um, I think, though, that the last two years have been bad for the pro-choice case. For one thing, I think that the woke activists have overreached their transgender story hours. I've stressed people out. They feel alien and people are uncomfortable with the new f extremist front line in the sexual battle battlefield. And secondly, when every force of the establishment from the Democrats to the liberals to the media 
to doctors who are saying, no, my body, my choice, that doesn't apply to vaccine mandates. I think that America was politically and culturally ripe for some modest restrictions. I say modest restrictions because, like I say, every state in the union can have their own rules. New York, California, Vermont, these are places that will surely legalize and pay for abortion until the last minute. And maybe that's a proper reflection of those states. Why Mississippi or Texas would have to follow New York or San Francisco's lead is unclear to me. Um, it's funny, I mentioned four foreign countries in Europe that are denouncing uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Trudeau was front and center. And as usual, he tries to capitalize in some way. But given that there is no Canadian abortion law at all, what can he say or do? Well, look at this. Here's the U.S. ambassador talking, I think it was to the CBC, about how there are conversations between the Canadian and U.S. government about allowing abortion refugees, allowing American women to come to Canada to get abortions. And look at their hush-hush weird secret talk here. Very odd. This is the U.S. ambassador. I am comfortable saying that there have been informal outreaches um, about um, the ability of Canada to potentially step up and to um, be, a, be a location for women um, seeking abortions and reproductive health services that might not be legal in their states as a result of an adverse decision by the Supreme Court that Canada is open to those conversations and willing to have those conversations. I found that a little ghoulish. I found it a little gross. It's like it's you know, the Underground Railway where we're taking freed slaves and saving them. No, I mean, like I say, most places in the United States, including Mississippi, will allow abortion. Uh, there may be some limits, like you have to do it in the first five months, other places not. I'm not sure why anyone in the United States would have to come up to America, from America to Canada for an abortion. You could surely get one in San Francisco or New York. A really weird thing I see is big, woke, left-wing corporations publicly saying that they will pay their staff up to $4,000, here's one case saying that, to get an abortion if it means they have to travel out of state. I found that really creepy because they don't pay workers a $4,000 bonus if they have kids. So why would they pay specifically for an employee to have an abortion? And why are they so proud of that? Is it because they're feminist? No, I don't think these major corporations are feminist. I think that they have, in a, in a very ghoulish way, decided they would rather pay a female employee 4,000 bucks and have them terminate the baby than go through the hassle and paperwork and cost of letting a staffer go on mat leave. I mean, if someone gets pregnant and takes time off, even if they come back, it's a cost to the company. And maybe they decide that being a mom is a higher calling than, I don't know, working at Amazon or working retail. I have to say it's super gross to me that women are rewarded with a $4,000 payment only if they get an abortion, but not if they carry a baby to term. Isn't that a little bit odd to you? Um, but back to Trudeau and this hush-hush conversation with the American ambassador about taking abortion refugees. Now, right now, of course, Americans can come to Canada at will. Uh, it's the world's largest undefended border. We have massive tourism. 
if an American woman wanted to come to Canada for an abortion for whatever reason, they obviously could, except what I said at the very start of this monologue, except if you're not jabbed. If you are an American woman who is not vaccinated, you may not come to Canada for Trudeau's abortion tourism. Just stop and think about that. Trudeau believes so very deeply in American women and their right to bodily autonomy, except if they defy his decision and if they defy his demand that they get jabbed. I wonder why that's not obvious to everyone. Trudeau was very adamant about this, and so was Melanie Jolie, his foreign minister. I'm not sure why she has anything to say about this. Again, it's a domestic decision by the United States Supreme Court. It's nothing to do with Canada. But look at this tweet here where she uses the most appalled language, the most extreme language, calling this a horrific decision by a Democratic Supreme Court following the Constitution. Out of curiosity, I typed in the word Taliban into her Twitter feed, and I found the language she used to describe when the Taliban in Afghanistan forced women to wear the face-obscuring burqa, threw girls out of school. So I'm talking about genuine, basic human rights as women. And not only did she not use anywhere near the strict language, but you may remember that Maryam Monsef, the former Trudeau cabinet minister, actually referred to the Taliban as our brothers. Isn't that funny? The Taliban, which will stone women to death, which force women into a full burqa and kick girls out of school, they get sweet talk from Trudeau, but him and his uh, cabinet call the United States Supreme Court horrific. I think it tells you a lot. Um, there was a lot of craziness out there. Here's just a random person on Twitter. Uh, so there's actually a TikTok video. I saw this and I just was riveted. And maybe there's something to the uh, theological concept of demons. Maybe this is just an incredible piece of uh, performance art. I mean, she ends by saying she's got to do the dishes, which is a strange thing for a feminist to say. But I think this woman might actually be uh, possessed. What do you think of this? Let it out. <laughs> Let it out. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit creepy. Um, I thought this sign at one of the protests was just as creepy. A mom with her kids saying, don't force people to do this. No one should be forced to have children. I find that, imagine being a child and hearing your mom say that, no one should be forced to do this. Here's Anna Navarro, one of CNN's favorite pundits, who, I mean, I'll just let it speak for herself. She says that one of the reasons we need abortion on demand for any reason or no reason much further than Mississippi's five months is what if you have a disabled per person in your family like I have? Imagine you're a relative of Anna Navarro and you hear her talk about you this way. I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family, with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially, emotionally, physically for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter 
who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And, I've, and their mothers and, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help because that's how lonely they feel, because they can't get other jobs, because they have financial issues, because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers. And so why can I be Catholic and still think this is a wrong decision? Because I'm American. I'm Catholic inside the church. I'm Catholic when it comes to me. But there's a lot of Americans who are not Catholic and are not Christian and are not Baptist. And you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Nobody does. I think that's absolutely crazy talk. Um, we thought that there would be actual riots in the streets like there was in the summer of 2020, Black Lives Matter burning down uh, many cities in America. So we sent our two U.S. reporters out there. Jeremy Lafredo hit the streets of New York City, Juan Mendoza Diaz in Washington, D.C. Uh, here's Jeremy Lafredo. He was in the thick of it. And he actually did a two-minute hit on Fox News. Take a look. Thousands of people, as you said, are marching in New York City. 4,500 people are heading to Chuck Schumer's office. Jeremy Lafredo works for Rebel News. He is there tonight. We thought we'd check in with him. Jeremy, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me, Tucker. What? Of course. What do you see? What's happening there? There are thousands of people here. I've seen chants and signs calling for the abolition of the Supreme Court, calling for the end of white supremacy. And I've been seeing signs that are also calling for um, the forced vasectomy of men as opposed to abortion for women. So it's, it's really wild here. It, it, I mean, who? These people seem pretty organized. I mean, it's, it seems like these signs must have, some of these signs yeah. and stickers and the coordinates, I mean, it, it seems like they were ready for this before it happened. Of course. Yeah, I mean, the signs were mass produced somehow um, at a moment's notice. Everyone's holding the same signs. Um, I don't know where they got them. Uh, I've asked a few people. They said, you know, someone's handing them out. Um, I don't know who's behind it, who's behind the signs. And there's even some uh, posters going around that say, you know, tonight is a night to riot uh, verbatim. So, you know, who knows what, what's to come for the rest of the night. So if they're calling for the elimination of the United States Supreme Court, the forced sterilization of men and rioting, then this is a dangerous extremist movement. I don't know how else an honest person would describe it. Am I missing something? Yeah, of course. And, and it's also important to highlight these are the same exact people that stood by and watched as thousands and thousands of New Yorkers and thousands of women in New York were um, fired from their jobs for not um, submitting right. to the vaccine mandates. So they are pro-choice um, and pro-bodily autonomy in one area. And of course, they're not pro-choice or bodily autonomy in the other area. Yeah, and they hate democracy. The idea of voters being able to decide how they're governed uh, is the worst possible outcome they can imagine. Jeremy, I appreciate your covering this force tonight. Thanks so much. That was sort of crazy, but no real violence in New York. And here's Juan Mendoza in Washington, D.C. Same sort of thing. Juan Mendoza here reporting for Rebel News. We're here outside the Supreme Court where it is the second day where people show up to protest the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Do you think we have Nazis on the court? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes, who would we, have, you say? we have anti-America Nazis on our cover. I'm not gonna. You know who they are. All the right wing are on the side of the Nazi. If we all can just get along and come together, America will be great again. But white man, you're not gonna make it without the black man who built this for y'all. So stop it. Give us our reprimands and stop dangling this 40 acres and a mule in our face. These women were dying. And because it was so gerrymandered, it was only prime pussy. It was only white pussy. Remember, Jesus loves you red, white, and bull crap. We set up a special website for these two guys called riotreporting.com because we thought they would be widespread riots like 2020. But I think that those street gangs, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they're the shock troops of the Democratic Party, and clearly George Soros and the Democrats decided, um, I mean, they can turn the violence on and off like, like a tap of water. Clearly, they decided that it was not in the interest of the Democrat Party to have mass riots over this. It might destabilize Joe Biden, but more to the point, it's getting close to the midterm elections in the United States. The Democrats are far behind a summer of violence because they refuse to abide by a Supreme Court ruling, I guess they made the calculation that's not good for their re-election chances. It's just a reminder of how closely and obviously the Democrats control street violence. There was some violence. There was an insurrection, to borrow a word of the Democrats, in Arizona. Take a quick look at this. There's also some violence, and again, I don't think this makes sense. I mentioned Vermont. Vermont is a state that has decided that it will have any abortion you want. Uh, it's a little bit different than Mississippi that only allows that for five months. Um, but there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to violence like this. Uh, I think some of the craziest comments actually came from Democrat Party officials. Here's Maxine Waters, a famous Democrat congresswoman, basically saying, She's going to defy the Supreme Court, a kind of insurrection in itself. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. Black women will be out in droves. We will be out by the thousands. We will be out by the millions. We're going to make sure we fight for the right to control our own bodies. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I think the weirdest is this report, I haven't had a chance to chase it down, of the United States military saying that they don't really feel bound by this. What's it called when a group of soldiers say they don't abide by civilian oversight or democratic rules? I think that's actually called more of a coup than an insurrection. I look forward to some clarification on that. Um, I think that this... Victory for conservatives and for pro-lifers belongs at the feet of Donald Trump. 
Had he not won in 2016 and had he not kept his promise to appoint truly conservative judges, this would never have happened. Trump appointed three judges who were truly conservative. They were vetted by the Federalist Society. And whatever else you think of Trump, he took judges seriously, unlike Canada's Stephen Harper, who frankly appointed the majority of judges on the court. Trump took it seriously. And I think that if Trump runs for the presidential primary of the Republicans, that's going to be a major talking point for him. He can say, I helped change the tilt of this whole country. I think it's uh, interesting how there was a majority of judges, Samuel Alito wrote the case, but the anger on the left was targeted disproportionately against just one of those judges, uh, the conservative black judge on the court, Clarence Thomas. There was outright racism, the N-word being thrown around with abandon. I don't think there's anything more racist than a liberal who's mad at a black conservative. It's quite incredible to me. But I think that there's a reason why Gerald Butts is so insane about this issue. He's just gone absolutely off the hook and he's getting Trudeau and Melanie Jolie to do the same thing. And it's because Gerald Butts has just witnessed what we've all witnessed, which is something that was considered impossible in polite company, in fancy circles, just happened. Roe v. Wade was overturned. And by the way, you can disagree with that. I don't think that you ought to, even if you're pro-choice, because every state can make its own rules now. I mean, do you really think it will be banned, abortion will be banned in San Francisco and Manhattan? And if you're in deepest, reddest Mississippi, okay, make your mind up in 15 weeks or go across the state line. But what Gerald Butts sees is that if you are allowed to dissent on even something that the conventional wisdom says the debate is over, if you allow people to dissent and if you break the feeling of conformity, you can actually change the course of events, the course of popular culture. I have to be candid. I thought Roe v. Wade would never be changed ever in ever. But it happened because people campaigned against it, spoke out against it. There were politicians who said they would change it, including Trump, and it finally happened. Gerald Butts does not want that to happen in Canada on abortion. He wants absolute unanimity amongst all the parties. It's the same approach that he took to the carbon tax. It was interesting to me to watch Gerald Butts go so nuts on the PC party of Ontario, the battle a few years back between Doug Ford and Patrick Brown over the carbon tax. And I couldn't help but think, why does Gerald Butts care so much that Doug Ford at the time said he was against the carbon tax? It's not his party. If Gerald Butts is right and this is such a winning issue, wouldn't Gerald Butts like the fact that Doug Ford was against the carbon tax? No, it's the opposite. It's that Gerald Butts didn't want any Canadian to think there was a flicker of hope that the carbon tax was reversible. And he needed all the parties to comply, just like he needs all the parties to denounce the truckers. What does Gerald Butts care if Pierre Pauly ever the Conservatives are friendly to the truckers? You would think they'd be delighted. No, because as we talked about before with the ash conformity test, if you see a single other person sharing your point of view publicly, you feel encouraged to speak your truth. Whereas if you think you're the only one with a certain point of view, you feel hopeless. Um, I think that we've learned that things can change. The truckers showed that you can get out of vaccine mandates. I think that's why Gerald Butts hates them so much and Trudeau too. And the, by the way, that change doesn't have to be radical or crazy or the handmaid's tale. There's no handmaid's tale going on in America. 
even in Mississippi, you have access to abortion for 15 weeks. I think it shows that change can be reasonable. I think that most Canadians would probably feel comfortable comfortable with that. Um, there's one more thing I want to close on talking about this. It's um, it's a response to the end of sexual libertinism by the left. Here's Alyssa Milano, uh, a former Hollywood star who's now a bit of a pundit. And here she is calling for what she calls a sex strike. She's saying that young women, or any women I guess, should not give up sex so easily anymore because what happens if they get pregnant? And you gotta, I mean, I mean she's a woman of the far left, she's an activist Hollywood type, but that actually sounds a little bit like uh, a conservative sort of morality or even just sort of a pragmatic approach for young people. If you're a young woman, maybe you shouldn't give up sex so easily and so quickly. Maybe the hookup culture of Tinder isn't the best. And maybe it doesn't just have to be nuns saying, you know, value sex, don't give it away easily, save it for marriage if you can. For the left, for the Hollywood left to call for a sex strike it's just their dramatic language for the same thing. And you know, I'm not sure how that's a bad thing, telling young woman, women to value themselves a little bit more than just to please some, you know, hookup culture online. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but I think Trudeau and Melanie Jolie and Gerald Butts have sort of tipped their hand, haven't they? Stay with us. I'll have more for you from Calgary next. Well, like I said, I'm in Calgary. First time I've traveled in over a year. I actually haven't left the country in more than two. I don't think I'm allowed to. I can't blame Trudeau for that. It's that the United States won't allow unvaxxed people in. I can go to Europe, but the thing is, when I return to Canada, and I say me, but of course it applies to millions of Canadians, we have to undergo a two-week quarantine, even if we're healthy. Now, there's no reason for that medically. It's just sheer punishment. Justin Trudeau knows that if you're a trucker or if you're unvaccinated, you are an enemy of his and he'll do whatever he can to punish you. He is not a uniter. Anyhow, enough preamble. I want to let you know why I'm in Calgary. Besides visiting my family, who I have not seen in a while, we have a growing team in Alberta, not just in Calgary and Edmonton too. As you know, former MP Kerry Diot joined our team. And I haven't even met everyone in the company until now. I haven't even met some of our new Vancouverites. So what we... As you know, in December, we put in an offer on a gorgeous office that was approved by the Royal Bank of Canada until their political, I don't know, hygiene team in Toronto told me on the phone that they were not going to give us the mortgage because we had the wrong politics. It was outrageous, but it pressed pause on our dream of an office, well, for six months. And here I am. Now, we're in an office here. This is our temporary office. We're just you know, squatting here for a few weeks. I'll have more news about a permanent office a little bit later, uh, probably in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited to say that Royal Bank did not kill our plans. We're just sort of huddling in. Unfortunately, Calgary has a 30% vacancy rate in the downtown. But I thought, here I am in Calgary. Let's have a chat with the Calgary team, many of whom are new 
to Rebel News. Now, our cameraman is Kian Simone, who all of you know from his great work in the Coots blockade. But I want to go around uh, and just reintroduce folks here in our Calgary office and show you how we're working together. And we'll soon be in the new office. Let's start with our chief videographer, Mocha Bazirgan. Mocha, great to see you again. What are you working on there? I see some buffalo. Well, good to see you. Oh, yes. You know, you were a star. We met you out in Toronto. And here you are in Calgary. Uh, compare the two cities for me. Well, this, that was three years ago. I love Toronto. I live downtown. But Calgary is just beautiful. You know, my siblings, they're kids. They want to go back to Toronto, take pictures of the CN Tower and show off. But Calgary is the real deal. Economically, it makes sense. I love the people. I love the work we're doing here. And I'm working on Adam's video that we shot yesterday about Buffalo. Buffalo, um, what do you call it? I'm sure Adam can explain better. I was just recording, so um, it's going good. So the chief videographer, that I mean, videographer is a fancy way of saying cameraman, but also video editor. You add the style to it. You've been involved, for example, with K2, Kian, on our documentaries, right? Um, to, to some degree, yes, but um, he was more involved with his own documentary. Well, that was a great documentary. I know you've got something that works, too. Well, it's nice to see you out here. Calgary looks good on you. Let's go around. Celine, we met very briefly during the trucker convoy where you went all the way from Calgary out to Ottawa. That was an incredible time. Oh, my God, it was cold. That's my number one memory of it. But tell me a little bit about that and what you do now at Revolution. We're just having a little bit of a hello. Uh, you're probably thinking, what are you doing in this big abandoned office? Well, we're, we're just sort of squatting here until we're ready to move into the permanent one. Uh, Celine, tell us a little bit more about what you're up to these days. Yeah, so um, when I'm not doing any uh, reporting, I'm behind the camera or I'm doing a lot of social media work. I've got some projects in the run right now, actually, which is really exciting as well. But that's pretty much You travel around, too. You're up in Edmonton the other day helping out with Carrie. That's true. Yeah, I was. We, we filmed quite a few videos together. So you're um, doing filming. You, you do some uh, video editing. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and then social media as well. Well, I tell you, anyone who was part of that trucker convoy, I think you're freedom for life. Now, Angelica, we didn't even meet until today. I mean, that's the what happens when you live in a country where there's a segregation and really second-class status for people like you and me who can't fly. Why don't you say hello uh, to our viewers and tell them a little bit about what you do at Rebel News? Um, so I just manage uh, the social media side, uh, work on posting, managing the accounts and stuff like that, and uh, sometimes doing some social cuts. And you're you're actually a student as well, and you go to the freedom protest pretty much every weekend, am I right? Yep, I'm all about the freedom, and that's the thing I love about uh, Rebel is, you know, they expose the truth, the other side of the story, and the truth will set you free. Well, that's amazing. One of the things you might be able to detect here at the office is that the average age of our talent is about half of my age. Now I'm 50, half a century. Look at look at this gray hair. You got that that shows wisdom. That shows wisdom and experience. But what a pleasure it is to see that people who are not 50 years old care about freedom. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Speaking of 50, <laughs> you know, when you got a, a, a room full of 20-somethings, and there's one 30-something in here too, you do need a little bit of gray hair here all the time. And my old friend, Lyndon Dunkley, you're now our operations manager, basically for Calgary in the West, uh, bring a little bit of gray hair too. But that means, you know, you... A um, little bit of guidance, a little bit of experience, especially when, when you got a team of youngsters running around going crazy in a good way. You're sort of the brake pedal sometimes, uh, and they're the gas pedal. Well, I, I think, as you'll see, the amazing young talent we have here, I, I take a pride upon myself just to help them in doing whatever they need to do so they can continue to put out this great product uh, with the Rebel. Um, obviously, you and I have known each other for 
35 years now and um, we've we've helped each other out many times over the past with various things and and to be able to come out here and make sure that this is going as uh, as smoothly as you want it to has been a great privilege and a great honor and and meeting these young kids so full of life and so full of ideas it's been eye-opening for me and gives me great hope for the next generation right on well it's funny for you and me to say next generation because i just it was just five minutes ago we were in high school together and when i say brake pedal i think that's the wrong analogy because you know um you've been helping with a million things whether it's the documentary premiere or just getting this temporary office going i think there's a lot of great things cook i really appreciate that you're here i like to say i'd like to be involved in everything except directly with the journalism because i think that my first week here i try to suggest some video ideas and and the and adam who's about to speak next quite quickly pointed out that he had already done that in a much much better way so so that was that was him being kind to sort of say okay old man let us journalize and you worry about making sure there's beef jerky in the fridge (laughs) well you know i i joined the editorial board of the national post when i was 20 something i don't remember what I, w- I was a writer for the for the sun newspapers when i was a teenager no 21 and uh so i always thought of myself as the youngster and now for people half my age half our age to pick up the torch of freedom is incredibly gratifying and very hopeful um and, and I'm just thrilled about it. Adam Sos, you've been a reporter on a bunch of different beats. You actually come from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms before you came to us, so that shows your good taste. You've covered a lot of great stories. Uh, I think a lot of people know you probably the best because I think you're the, the longest standing uh, person here in our Calgary office. Uh, tell me about your shirt and then tell me what you're up to these days. Well, uh, my shirt is from rebelnewsstore.com. You can use the code ADAM10 to get 10% off <laughs> your first order. But yeah, I am the KG veteran here at the Calgary office. We've been incredibly busy. Obviously, we have not forgotten the stories that have been unfolding throughout COVID-19, uh, following the pastors, the businesses, the families that have been sort of torn apart over this. Um, but as we sort of move beyond this, we're keeping an eye to what's moving forward. Obviously, uh, Kian, who's behind the camera doing some incredible work, keeping an eye on the Great Reset. Uh, but we're also sort of telling those Western stories, talking to the small town far- folks, the ranchers, the farmers who've really been affected, getting their stories out there as well, very much telling the other side of the story. You know, I walked with you guys to lunch just in a different building in sort of a food court, and there were about eight big screen TVs showing CTV News Channel, and it was the mayor of Toronto meeting with the premier of Ontario, blah, 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 and I thought, here I am in Calgary, the beating heart of the New West, I think that's its motto or something like that. And there's so much cooking in Calgary, there's so many ideas, there's so much industry, and the media that's being force-fed to everyone in that room was some boring gossip about two Toronto politicians that no one here cares about, and it just reminded me how Toronto-centric, but not even that, just how inside club, so detached from anything relevant to the people here, and it just is a reminder of the absolute importance of Rebel News. Imagine if we weren't here, and we have some friends in True North and Western Standard Online. We're not alone, although it's pretty lonely. Imagine if all there was was that 
homogenized crud being pumped out. Global News, CTV, CBC, there really is no difference amongst them. And if they talk about the West, it's to denounce or to defame the West or to diminish it or to mock it. Maybe it's best that they don't talk about the West because it would be nothing but condescension. But I, I'm very, you know, we have an office in Toronto. It's our main office. But to have this team here in Calgary, uh, what, about eight, eight folks and, and, and more to come, I, th- I think it's a symbol of uh, where our heart is. I mean, of course, our office is in Toronto, but I think our heart's in the West here, and I think you're right on that. I want to talk to Sydney Fazard. Now, Sydney, you're another transplant from Toronto. You came out West also. Do you share Mocha's thoughts? On, I mean, Toronto and Calgary really quite different. What What's the number one thing that strikes you? Uh, well, Toronto and being from the GTA, you really notice that you're in a city that's wrapped in other cities, whereas in Calgary, there's the downtown, there's the suburbs, and then there's the farmland. Mm. And it's, it is a I think a much more natural way of uh, people working together because you got people in the farm that are coming to the city and that connection is bridged a lot easier than it is in Toronto or the GTA, let's say, where a lot of people, especially a lot of the younger people, we kind of get into this zone of we order Uber Eats, we stay home and watch Netflix, and then we take an Uber to work, and our, our life isn't what it's supposed to be, whereas out here a lot of growth is happening. In that you know, that's a good point. I mean, there is something about outdoor life and, and seeing the wild. And also knowing where, where does energy come from? Oh, well, from the plug in the wall. Where does food come from? Oh, from the grocery store, duh. I think there is something to know um, that maybe city folks don't know. I mean, there's, listen, obviously I'm a city folk myself and they're, you know, I'm not putting down the cities, but if you forget that there's another half, if you forget, I think this whole lockdown has been a classist thing and I'm not a Marxist, but I can see with my eyes that it has been a benefit to the Zoom class, the lockdown class, who works from their laptop at the cottage, hasn't missed a moment's pay, versus what is traditionally called the working class, the delivery people, the like the people who, who never stopped working unless they were forced to stop working because the Zoom class told them to stop. I mean, I think it really expo- exposed a class divide. And you're talking about Netflix. Well, who got rich off the pandemic? That's a story, too whether it's Jeff Bezos or Netflix. And I don't know, I think it's realigned things. And, um, you know, even just in, in this room, I don't know where people might have been three years ago if they would have been a New Democrat or a Green Party or a liberal. If you were a my body, my choice liberal three years ago, can you really say that under Justin Trudeau? If you were a skeptic of Big Pharma in the Green Party, can you really be for the Greens today? If you were, I'm for the working man who just got sold out to the corporations because his union wouldn't fight for his right not to be jabbed under the collective agreement. Are you still a new Democrat? I think what Rebel News, what I want Rebel News to do is I want to stay connected to those different parts of what I consider our coalition. It's not just our coalition of viewers. It's our coalition of staff. There are people who work for Rebel News today who I don't think would have even worked for us or known about us or liked us three years ago, people who might have been free spirits or who, I don't know, would, would not have connected with us. And I, I don't know if we've changed that much. I think we've always been for freedom and privacy and small government. We've always been skeptics and dissidents and contrarians. I think the world has changed. And I think that there's people in Canada now who have, like, the, the scales have fallen from their eyes and they now know that they, they can't trust the establishment like they could before. And it's not just the government that's lost credibility. 
and the courts and the professors, it's, I think the media has probably lost more credible, credibility than anyone, and they realize it the least. I don't know. It's a great to be here in Calgary. It's just so nice and sunny here, and it's great to see all of you. And it is my hope that soon we will be in a permanent building and that the Royal Bank can't keep us out. And I'll have more news on that when I'm ready to share it. But it's really great to travel again. And it's great to be around a young team led by my old friend Lennon, who's got some gray hair like me. And um, I really believe that we tell the other story. We do it every day. And I really believe that we fight for freedom. So that's it from here in Calgary. I'm not going to read your letters today. I'm going to be in Calgary for one more day back in Toronto on Wednesday. Until I see you next, on behalf of all of us here at Rebels Western Outpost, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Did your office or any other office pressure Commissioner Lucky or negotiate with Commissioner Lucky to release specific information about those killings to help advance gun legislation. Would those conversations have been appropriate and do you still have confidence in the Commissioner to lead the RCMP? Uh, absolutely not uh, on the pressure. We did not uh, put any uh, undue influence or pressure. It is extremely important to highlight that it is only um, it is only the RCMP, it is only police uh, that determine what and when to release information. Canada's largest mass shooting is quickly morphing into what may be one of the country's largest scandals, and it involves the RCMP, the Liberal government, and our trusted institutions being corrupted by Trudeau. That's why Rebel News is sending myself and my colleague Lincoln Jay all the way out to Nova Scotia so that we can bring you firsthand on-the-scene reports from the official inquiry into the RCMP's response to the mass shooting. It's also why we are asking for help from those of you who want to be informed by journalists who are completely independent from the government and who are going to be there where the news is unfolding instead of sitting behind a screen. So if that's you, please open up another browser tab and help us recoup the cost to bring you the reports on the Trudeau RCMP scandal at firelucky.com. Drea Humphrey here with Rebel News, and like so many Canadians, I am shocked about the information that continues to pour out from the ongoing public inquiry into Canada's worst mass shooting. That is the April 2020 massacre where denturist Gabriel Wartman disguised himself as a police officer and went on a killing spree that took the lives of 22 people in Nova Scotia. But that may not have been the only person at the time disguised as someone who is supposed to be serving and protecting Canadians, but wasn't. Evidence that's poured out of the public inquiry, which is called the Mass Casualty Commission, suggests that while Canadians were in shock and in grief, and the victims' families were preparing to bury their slayed loved ones, the Trudeau Liberal government and their pet RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, were busy colluding and scheming and plotting on how best to exploit the massacre to further the Liberals' political gun ban agenda against law-abiding firearm owners. Were they hatching some sort of sinister scheme to deflect 
from the RCMP's failure to act on information that they had about Wartman by pivoting to scapegoat a law-abiding group that the killer wasn't even a part of. I say this or ask this question because every single firearm in Wartman's possession was illegal. This scandal is a disgrace. Documents released by the commission last Tuesday detail Commissioner Lucky as pressuring Nova Scotia Mounties during a meeting to prematurely release certain details about the guns that Wartman used during his rampage, even though the Mounties told her that if they did so, it would risk damaging the investigation. Now, why would Lucky insert herself that way, you ask? Well, according to the notes of Superintendent Darren Campbell, a respected member of the RCMP, Lucky expressed disappointment during a meeting with the Mounties for not obeying her politically driven guidance. She had apparently made a promise to the Minister of Public Safety at the time, Bill Blair, and Prime Minister Trudeau's office that such details would be released, and that promise was apparently linked to the Liberal government's pending gun ban legislation at the time. The release of details that could compromise the investigation could help the Liberals win their gun control agenda, but was Lucky seriously willing to sacrifice the investigation and the little bit of justice the families deserved just to help the Trudeau Liberals? The meeting took place 10 days after the mass murder, and three days after that, Trudeau regulated the following. Effective immediately, it is no longer permitted to buy sell, transport, import, or use military-grade assault weapons in this country. But that's not all. On Friday, we learned, thanks to the commission, that the government, the Department of Justice to be exact, originally withheld four of Superintendent Campbell's notes that detailed the allegations of political interference. And this is despite them being subpoenaed to release all of the RCMP's files on the investigation, which means two years later, the government is still throwing a wrench into this investigation of Canada's deadliest shooting. Now, of course, you can find out the details about everything I just said, including the Department of Justice's response to that by clicking on the written article for this report that's linked below in the description. But my question is, should be everybody's question as well, is what are we going to find out next? And what, if anything, is still in hiding? And since this involves Trudeau and his buddy at the head of the RCMP, can we really trust his state broadcaster, the CBC, to cover the findings transparently. That's why myself and Lincoln J are teaming up to cover this week's proceedings for you in person in Halifax. You'll hear what happens right away through our live tweet coverage of the proceedings, and you'll also get video reports to fill you in with more context of what's going down. And you'll also learn what we learn as we learn it as we go through the communities that were directly affected from this traveling massacre. It's taken an independent public inquiry to make sure that you've become aware of any of this Trudeau RCMP scandal. And it should take an independent news outlet like Rebel News to make sure that you're fully aware of everything about it. Unlike over 95% of the media in Canada who take money from the Trudeau government's media bailout, we are only accountable to you. But we are also 
we also rely on you as well. So that is why we are asking you for your help, not to profit off of this important story, but simply to cover the expenses involved in covering it, which is for things like uh, economy flights, meals on the go, modest hotel accommodations, transportation, including gas and a rental car to get to and from the communities and back and forth from the airport. And in total, we're estimating the cost to be just shy of $5,500. So if you can please help us out with recouping those costs, you can go to our special website called firelucky.com to help us do so. And you guessed it with a URL like that. You can also sign our petition there while you're at it to demand that the head of the RCMP, Brenda Lucky, be fired from her position as commissioner to make room for someone Canadians can trust to not be influenced by political agendas ever, let alone during something as devastating as the country's worst mass shooting. Who knows, maybe it will even be to make room for someone like Superintendent Darren Campbell. I'm Drea Humphrey for Rebel News. Lincoln and I are honored to be going to Halifax to bring you reports you can trust on the Trudeau RCMP scandal. Thank you for everybody who is heading to firelucky.com to help us cover the costs to do so.